0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged and empowered by the message you are about to hear. I feel like I should be doing some kind of Latin dancing following that little intro. Felt like there just wasn't, you know, I just need to I could feel it happening. Maybe for the 11am I'll get there. Uh, Welcome to church today. Welcome to our online campus watching today. Botany, can we say hi to online one more time? So awesome to have you guys watching. A special hello to you as well. If it's your first time here with us, we're so glad that you came and we're just stoked to have you here and we hope that you feel really welcome and uh, just meet somebody new today. We're just so glad uh, that you're spending your Sunday morning with us, whether you're in the room or watching online for the first time, it's fantastic to have you. Steve says hi. Well, he already said hi, didn't he? I've got it in my notes. Say hi from Steve. He's in Pookakau, but he did it himself. Uh, So uh, he's out there hanging with those guys today and just having a great time, I'm sure. Uh, with our Pukukuhi campus. Uh, On Friday night, I need to let you know, I was at our Oxygen big night out on Friday night. They let me in as an old person. And let me tell you, boy, did I feel old. Boy, did I feel old. But there were over 450 young people out in here on Friday night just having an amazing, crazy, emphasis on the crazy time. Uh, but we, um, we saw over 50 salvations on Friday night of these young people coming to know God, which is just awesome. And we say over 50 because we lost count at about 50, uh, because so many hands were going up. I literally was like, okay, I can't count you, but keep them up for a little bit longer. Hopefully someone will uh, be able to count you. So that's um, just our our youth leaders just doing such an incredible job and young people coming to know Jesus, which is just amazing. And as Steve said, we're starting a new series today, Uh, A Little Bit of Wisdom. Goes a long way, and looking at the book of Proverbs, and looking at how at the book of wisdom really, and how it can guide and lead our lives. And today, really, my message is: it's an intro, it's an introduction to our series. And I, I really decided uh, to do this introduction because I want to set us all up into one same place so that we can go together into the next few weeks of this series. And I really, my whole goal today is very simple. This is not gonna blow any message out of the water. This is not gonna be some crazy deep message. What I want to do today is simply get you asking a question. And what I want you to do this week as you go into your week is I want you to do one thing. I want you to ask for wisdom. I want you to ask God for wisdom. And we're gonna go on a bit of a journey right now. Uh, But what I want us to do is really dig in this week. Before we begin looking at specific bits of wisdom, I want us to dig in and prepare our hearts for what God will do. So let's pray and then we'll get into it. God, we are here and we are listening, Lord. And I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, uh, for your word that guides us and leads us. I'm thankful that we don't have to live our lives based on our own wisdom, but you have given us a book of it uh, that can help lead and guide our lives. And so we look to that now and we ask, Lord God, that you would speak to us. And Jesus, we want you, we don't just want a transformation or a change on the outside, but God, would you change something on the inside of us? And we just lay ourselves down before you now. We ask that your will will be done. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, in Proverbs four verse seven, uh, it says, "Wisdom is supreme." So get wisdom, and whatever else you get, get understanding. Wisdom is supreme. Wisdom is at the top of God's list. If God had a to-do list of all the priorities that he had for us, wisdom would be at the top of the list. So I think it should be at the top of our list too. The NIV translation of that same verse says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Then it says, though it costs you all you have. Get understanding. Though it costs you all you have. It's saying here that even if you have to give everything, even if it costs you everything, even if you have to spend everything to get this wisdom, then do it, do it, do it. Because what we'll learn later is that if we give everything away to get wisdom, we'll receive everything back again. Something tells me, something in these passages and proverbs is kind of indicating to us that God places an incredible amount of importance on this thing called wisdom. Wisdom. And so I think it is absolutely prevalent for us that we look into what God is trying to say. If there's one thing I've learned, though, about wisdom, it's this. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Here are a few thoughts. Knowledge constructs the Titanic. Wisdom avoids the icebergs. See, it's one thing to be able to build a boat. It's another thing to steer it, right? Right? And the same is true for our lives. Check this out. Knowledge builds a house. Wisdom builds a home. See, we might be able to put on a wedding day. We might be able to physically knock together some four by two and a few other things I'd imagine. Kirby over here is a builder. Uh, (laughs) To build the home, we might be able to create a family. But do we know how to put it all together to make it work out? God's way. God places a whole lot of wisdom, a whole lot of importance on wisdom. Here's another thing that we might be able to say is that knowledge understands God, but wisdom walks with God. And that's really our heart for this series. That's really our heart for every single one of you is that you wouldn't just know all the stuff about God, that you wouldn't even just know and come to understand all the things there is to understand about God, but that you would really walk with Him that you would really be able to walk a personal journey with God. And this is the very reason that we wanted to do this series is because as we look out in today's world, and look, we've talked about it in our last series called Culture Shift, what we're noticing is that so many people are beginning to look to worldly wisdom, worldly wisdom instead of biblical wisdom, and they're beginning to build their lives On wisdom that is actually not the wisdom of God. In fact, we see many, many Christians who are moving away from biblical truths and beginning to stand by worldly truths, saying things like, oh, I know the Bible says that, but the but becomes the problem. Because can I tell you that that will actually never work out right? That will never work out right for you. In fact, Proverbs 26, verse 12 says, "'Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes?' there is more hope for a fool than for him. And so what we want to do is we want to go on a journey together over the next four weeks, and we want to pursue the wisdom of God for our lives. And we want to see how you and I can build our lives on God's wisdom and His truth, rather than worldly wisdom and worldly truth. You'll notice as you read in in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, the first nine chapters almost builds a case for wisdom. It spends the first nine chapters convincing us that wisdom is a good idea. And then from chapter 10 onwards, you'll notice that almost like a bullet point fashion that, uh, that that the author begins to give us wisdom advice. And it doesn't really categorize it. He just He just bullet points all these bits of wisdom out. Some of it's about marriage. Some of it's about finances. Some of it's about how we treat people. Some of it's about our feelings and our emotions. Some of it's about the words that we use all of these bits of wisdom. But what you'll notice in the first nine chapters is that there are numerous types of people described in the book of Proverbs. And I'm gonna look at four of those today, four different types of people that Proverbs describes. And here we are, this is the four types of people we find in Proverbs. The first is the simple. The simple. Well, that's not very kind, Lord. Now you're just calling me names. The simple. Uh, They go there and do that because they just don't know any better. They don't know because no one told them. The simple might also be described as maybe naive or clueless, you know, just don't have a clue. Proverbs 7 verse 7 says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. All the parents of teenagers in the room are going to get a good amen right there. But (laughs) <laughs> no, no. See, what, what, what happens is you'll notice that the simple is often described when talking about young people. And it's not because God thinks young people are dumb. It's because they just haven't lived on the earth long enough to have gained the wisdom that life experience gives you. And, and, and so often we refer or, or see that young people have this simple component to them, uh, when our when Judah, our eldest, was about two years old, we lived in Whangarei. We were pastoring the church up there, and we lived up there, and actually we lived 30 minutes from Whangarei in a little town called One Tree Point, which was just the most beautiful place to live, and it was a little quiet beach town, and so had this little quiet paddling beach almost, and the main road Ran along the peninsula, and then there was like a really small grassy verge about the size of a footpath, or maybe a little bit bigger. And then it would go down a cliff where you had there was like wooden stairs, you know, situated all along. And then it would be sand, and then into this beautiful, shallow, very safe paddling water. And so often we'd go down and hang out at the beach. One particular afternoon, it was just Judah and I hanging out down at the beach, and we were both in the water and we were both just paddling. And I was just sitting in the water. You know, it was like all I needed was a cup of tea and a good book, and I would have been set for the afternoon. But I was just sitting there, and he was just paddling away. In the water, it was something we did often. And he's just, you know, like a couple of meters away from me, just enjoying having the time of his life. And then all of a sudden he got up and he started making his way to the shore. And I thought, oh, he's just going to play in the sand on the beach. And I, so I just sat paddling in the water. I thought, I can see him there. And he's out of the water on the sand. He's absolutely fine. But he didn't stop at the shore. He didn't stop at the sand. He started to make his way to the stairs. And I thought, oh, he's going to do what he usually does, which is he stands on the stairs and then he jumps off into the sand. But he didn't stop at the bottom step and didn't stop at the top step, at the second step. He started to make his way up the stairs toward the main road. And with every step he took, his little body was running faster and faster. As soon as I noticed what he was doing, I jolted out of that water. you know how hard it is to run through water when you are trying to scramble out of the water? And so I started yelling at him, stop, stop, stop. And I'm chasing him up. And he's still like, you know when they turn around and you see that little grin on their face and they're like, oh, this is a game now. And so he just starts giggling and running faster and I am screaming, stop. Stop. And I'm running up the stairs after him, and I lose him just at the top of the stairs. I can't see him. He's gone out of my sight. And as I get a little bit closer, I see a house on the other side of the road with people on the balcony, and they are starting to yell at him, Stop! Stop! I get to the top of the stairs. I am screaming like an absolute lunatic. Like you can imagine, I was like, I was like shrill, like. This shrieking woman running in her togs, you know, like I hadn't grabbed anything. I was in my swimming togs. I was wet all over, just shrieking at this child. And then he stops on the center line in the middle of the road. Now, thank the Lord, there was no car, there was not a car in sight and there wasn't, there hadn't been and there wasn't after that. So I grab him and pull him over to the side of the road. Was what he did dangerous? Yes, yes. Was it foolish? Yes. Did he know? No. He had no idea the danger that he was putting himself in. He had no idea the danger that could have come to him. Can I tell you, church, we all have a little bit of simple in us. We all have a little bit of simple in us. We all have, I'm sure, those circumstances in our lives where our simple our lack of experience and wisdom has us heading in a way that because we just don't know any better, that and usually, usually in those moments, there is a group of people around us shouting, stop, don't go there, don't go that way. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful For the people that God has placed in my life, who when my simple begins to kick in, they are standing there going, stop, don't go that way, don't do that thing. This is why small groups are so significant, why community is so important to us, is because in the journey of life, everyone needs a group of people in their lives who will say to us, don't do that. Go this way instead of that way. Go here, let me show you how, where this community brings their wisdom around them. The simple. The second person, the second part, the second person described in Proverbs is the fool. The fool. The fool knows what not to do, but decides to do it anyway. The fool knows what not to do, but decides to do it anyway. And I think if you'll let me, like, please don't be offended, but I feel like we've all got a little bit of fool inside of us too, you know? It's like those moments we eat that chicken from the particular fried chicken company that starts with K and ends in untucky fried chicken. (laughs) You know though, don't you? You know. When you eat it, you're gonna feel sick. You immediately regret it when we eat Kentucky Fried Chicken. We immediately regret it. You know, at the end of that bucket, you're gonna be like, "Oh, I shouldn't have eaten that." You have immediate regret from eating that chicken, but you know what? You do it anyway. You know you shouldn't, but you do it anyway. Why? Because it tastes so good. In the moment, it's finger-licking good. It tastes so good. We've all been there, haven't we? But listen to Proverbs. Proverbs 10, verse 23 says, A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. See, here's the motive of the fool, which is often the motive of us, is fun. It's fun. And sin, oh, it does feel good for a short time, but it will always bite you. And sin, there's pleasure in sin for a moment until it begins to make its way and become problematic in your lives. And the ongoing problem for a fool is found in Proverbs 13 verse 20 where it says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will stuff the harm. And I bet that every foolish thing that you and I have ever done, if we were to look back, we could probably see that it was connected to another foolish person who convinced us that it was a good idea. You know what I mean? A companion of fools. Sadly, the cure, the cure like the cure for simple is time spent in community The cure for a fool is unfortunately unexpected circumstances, something you didn't see coming. Sometimes it takes a trial or a tribulation to wake us up from our foolishness. Sometimes it takes something we didn't expect. Now, I'll say this, God does not bring the tragedies in our life, but he will use them in our lives. He will use them. He can take the worst moment of your life, and He can turn it around for something good if we will allow Him. And I know that there will be a bunch of you here today that would say, one day I was a fool, and then something happened in my life, and it caused a turnaround moment. It caused, in a way, a moment that awakened me, it was unexpected, it was out of the blue, maybe a trial, maybe there was a tragedy in your life that you could say, that was actually my turnaround moment to begin seeking God. We could say it like this, there is purpose in your pain. There's the simple, and the cure for simple is time and community. There's the full, and the cure for full is is unexpected circumstances. And thirdly, our third person we see described is the mocker the mocker. Or we might see it also written as the scoffer. Depending on the translation that you read, sometimes it describes the mocker as the scoffer. Now, the mocker is the fool, but on steroids. The mocker takes the fool and goes to a whole nother level. The mocker knows what's right, doesn't do it, but criticizes those who do. And you might not have a mocker in your immediate world. Like you might not know in person a mocker, but you have all seen them on your social media. You have all seen them turn up in social media comments on a community Facebook or on an article, like a news article. Oh, those are like firecrackers right there. You've seen them turn up. And listen, you know they aren't there to learn from anybody. You know they aren't there for healthy debate. They are simply there to mock and criticize. Here's what the Bible says about the mocker in Proverbs 9, verse seven to eight. It says this, the one who corrects a mocker will bring abuse on himself. The one who rebukes the wicked will get hurt. Don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke the wise and he will love you. What is this verse saying? This verse is saying what you and I both know because we've seen it before on social media is that you've seen someone and and it's either been someone else or yourself who's become offended and hurt, who's entered into a debate with a mocker And what you soon realize is they don't wanna listen to anything anyone else has to say. They're not about to change. They're not entering into that conversation because they're hoping someone will change their heart and help them to see the light. No, 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 no. They're simply there to mock and criticize. And so what the Bible is trying to tell us is don't enter into those conversations because you're only gonna get more abuse and you're only gonna get more hurt and you're only gonna get more uh, backlash on it the only cure for a mocker is an encounter with God. The only cure for a mocker is an encounter with God. They need a God encounter that will transform their lives. The Apostle Paul was a mocker, right? Wasn't he? He was a mocker. He knew, he, he, he. He mocked and criticized and, um, and killed even Christians. And then he was met on the road to Damascus with a life altering, undeniable I just got hit by a Mack truck. I will never be the same again account, encounter with God. And it left him completely transformed. The mocker. And the cure for the mocker is an encounter with God. Fourth and final person that's described in Proverbs. And this is the one we want to be is the wise, the wise. Proverbs nine, verse eight to nine says this. We read it on from where we were before. It says, don't rebuke the mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke the wise and he will love you. Instruct the wise and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and he will learn more. This is what we wanna be. This is who we want to be. A wise person is a person who is teachable. They're pliable they're willing to learn they 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 know they've come far but they've still got so much more to go they haven't made it they haven't arrived they know that they need in their lives both god and people to show them the way to speak into their lives we can put it like this correct the simple and they will and they won't get you correct the fool and they will ignore you Correct the mocker, and they will laugh at you. But correct the wise, and they will thank you. They will thank you. Solomon in Scripture is known for his wisdom. He is believed to have written through the uh, for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit three books in the Bible: Song of Solomon, uh, Ecclesiastes, and the Book of Proverbs. And we read in Second Chronicles. Chapter one, there's this conversation between God and Solomon and starts in verse seven where it says, uh, "'That night God appeared to Solomon and, asked, and said to him, "'Ask, what should I give you?' And Solomon said to God, "'You have shown great and faithful love to my father David, and you made me king in this place, in his place. Lord God, let your promise to my father David come now come true.'" for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now grant me wisdom and knowledge so that I may lead these people for who can judge this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, since this was in your heart and you have not requested riches, wealth or glory or for the life of those who hate you and you have not requested a long life but you have requested for yourself wisdom and knowledge, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are given to you. I will also, remember that thing about give, if it costs you everything you have, do it because you're gonna get wisdom and you'll get it all back again. I have also give you riches, wealth and glory unlike what was given to the kings who were before you or will be given to those after you. God asked Solomon, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And Solomon didn't ask for riches or possession or title or position. He asked for an inward transformation. He asked for wisdom. And what's really interesting is that if you jump forward to the New Testament, to Mark chapter 10, you see that Jesus asks two different people the very same question that God asked Solomon. He asks, what do you want me to do For you, And in Mark 10, around verse 35, we see that Jesus has just finished telling his disciples about how he is going to be crucified. He's just finished telling them about when he's gonna get arrested and put on trial and mocked and beaten and then hung on a cross. And this was their response to Jesus in verse 35. It says, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. Here's the question. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They answered, allow us to sit at your right and your left in your glory. Jesus had just told them that he was going to lay down his life for them. He had just described how he was going to be arrested and beaten and mocked and then hung like a criminal on a cross. And they are like, "Cool, Jesus about that. When you die and you go to heaven, can we have the two best spots next to you? I mean, wow, way to read a moment, team. Like, way to read the moment, all wrong. Following that, though, there's another story immediately after in Mark 10. Also, starting at verse 47, where Jesus asks the same question, this time to a blind man. It says in verse 46, they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a large crowd uh, and a large crowd. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that, Je- that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me!" Many warned him to be quiet, but he was crying out all the more, "Have mercy on me, son of Jesus, De- son of David!" Jesus stopped him and called him. And so they called the blind man and said to him, "Have courage, get up! He's calling for you." He threw his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked, answered him, same question. What do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. The band can come and join me now. Immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. The man, Bartimaeus, had sat for I don't know how long, begging on the side of the road. He'd sat for years asking people for help. He'd asked for possessions. He'd asked for money. He'd asked for provision and for help. But there was something about Jesus when he came along that he knew the situation was different. And instead of asking for money or provision or food, he asked Jesus to fix the root of the problem. I want to see, I want to see. He knew that in that moment, that he wasn't just asking for Jesus for a quick fix or for a change to his outward circumstance. He was asking, Lord, Will you change me from the inside out? And Jesus asked the same question to these two different men. And he got two very different responses. One asked for a change in their position, their outward appearance, circumstance. They were concerned about title. They were concerned about position. They were concerned about places of honor and glory for themselves while the other asked for a change in their person, a transformation from the inside out. One asked for elevation, while the other asked for restoration. And as we enter this series, that's what I want for us. As we enter this series, I want you and I to enter into it answering the same question because I think God asks the same of us today what do you want me to do for you and I wonder how we'll answer I wonder how we'll answer do you want him to simply change your circumstance or do you want a transformation from the inside out and I just want to encourage you today why don't you ask for wisdom Why don't you say, Lord, would you transform me? Would you restore me? Would you change me on the inside? Come on, let's pray. God, as we enter into this new series and as we look toward your word for your godly wisdom, And as you pose that question to us now, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, we just wanna be changed by you. God, would you transform us on the inside? Would you redeem and restore us, Lord? God, we thank you so much that when you begin to transform from the inside It shows on the outside. And even though people might be dealing with circumstances and situations that they desperately need your interaction, your divine encounter on, God, I thank you that when you start on the inside of us, like Solomon, we will see all of those other things begin to take place in our lives. And so, Lord God, we surrender ourselves to you at the outset of this series and we thank you lord for the transforming power that will be at work within us thank you for listening to this elam christian centre podcast please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages for more information about our church please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz